I, I can take that. And with all of that, we welcome you into our first edition of You Can Ask That. Uh, my name is Drew, and I'm alongside three amazing people. We'll introduce you to them here in just a second. But a fun fact, to start this podcast out, we're laughing because um, Amy Smith is with us this evening, along with Aaron Carlisle, Pastor Eddie Schaefer, and Amy has never seen Star Wars. And I can't, I, I don't want to call you on the carpet for that, but I'm not sure exactly how you've never seen it. I don't I feel like I... I should have seen it like when I was in my teens and twenties and then I didn't. And then now it's just kind of a thing where like, I'm just not going to, not going to see it. Okay. That, that this is supposed to be a podcast where we talk about um, questions that you have about God and spirituality. But my first question is like, how, but we can't, we can't go into that. We'll have to talk about that later. We're writing it down for later. That's yeah, it. That's like, that's like episode 10. It's all going to be about star Wars. No, we're going to save it for episode four and it'll be called a new hope. Oh, <laughs> See, See this is why I'm in marketing. That's That's why I do what I do. It makes sense. Well, we welcome you into this first edition of You Can Ask That. We've got three people who are going to be answering your questions this evening. One, Eddie Schaefer. One, Aaron Carlisle. And Amy Smith. My name is Drew Brent. I'll hopefully try to moderate this thing as best we can. But first, before we really get into this, Eddie, this is kind of your brainchild. So I thought it'd be kind of cool if you just introduced everybody and introduced the concept like why and this is not like an existential question this is just a literal question like why are we here yeah um i think we're here because um i think there's a lot of confusion um in the world when it comes to god i think there's a lot of confusion when it comes to faith i think that um a lot of times people have tried to do a really good job explaining it but it doesn't mean that they actually did a really good job and so people find themselves even more confused and and for whatever reason, we, we grew up in a place where you couldn't ask questions. You know, I know uh, for me, I, I didn't grow up in church, but I became a Christian when I was 19, and I just dove straight into ministry. And as I dove straight into ministry, there were a lot of things I knew, but there were some things I didn't. And over time, the things I didn't know that were confusing, that were frustrating, that were struggling, seemed to multiply, and the things I knew began to shrink. And something that's interesting that you said just then was you were in ministry and you had those questions. And with that thought in mind, let's introduce two other people who also have questions, who didn't dive headfirst into ministry. Who else do we have here tonight? Well, we've got a, a couple of friends of mine, and, and really where, where this kind of came from was um, as I was kind of figuring out um, a lot of the, the, the questions I was struggling with, what I realized was, man, lots of people have questions. And, and because they have questions, um, I kind of gravitated towards people who had uh, really dealt with things in life, who were willing to ask the real questions, the hard questions, and, and, and had dealt with some on their own. And so um, with me, as I began to think about, man, how do we begin to answer the questions that people are really asking? Because there's, there's a lot of times not a great place to do that. Um, I began thinking about who were people that I thought would be phenomenal at really um, helping people walk through and around some of the questions that they struggle with in life. And so for me, um, one of my huge, one of my best friends and, and someone who's really spoken into some things in my life is, is Aaron Carlisle. And so he's somebody that I invited and, and I'll let him introduce himself and a little bit about his story because he's somebody who really uh, had a lot of questions and, uh, and, and they kept him from God for a long time. I still have a few questions. Okay. Okay. So, so, so Aaron, let's, let's, man, you tell us a little bit about you and, and what brings you, um, why, why you're qualified, man. What, what qualifies you to be a guy that's answering questions for yeah, people? I, I don't know. I find it ironic that we're here every week answering questions when the reality is I spend 
spent most of my life in the corporate world asking questions, asking really tough questions. And all through college, I was the, I was the guy that liked to drop the conversational hand grenade. So walk into the room. Um, now, to preface it, I was an atheist. So walk into the room, you've got Christians, and you drop that conversational hand grenade that they may not know the answer to that question. So I really enjoyed doing that and watching people challenged. And so the notion that we're here tonight and every night and we're answering questions, um, I like that. Yeah, yeah. And then and then another one of my really good friends um, is Amy Smith, and she she is somebody that I've walked with um, just for a long time, and we've walked through a lot of things together. And her and her, and her family and her husband Ben, and 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 just one of my favorite people because she's somebody who really thinks about things. Um, different. And I don't know if any of you guys have like one of those friends in your life that, um, or, or some of those people that like when you talk to them and then all of a sudden they, you know, you think you understand the depth of something and then you talk to them and they're like, wow, wow, man, I never thought of it like that. I never, I never saw it like that. And Amy's one of those people that consistently just kind of has this perspective on things that just is absolutely beautiful and challenging. And so, so Amy, um, do you tell us a little bit about you and maybe what brings you here as well? Yeah, um, I'm so I've just recently gotten my um, degree in counseling, and um, I'm doing that. And wait, so wait, hold on. We need the little button. We need that. That's oh. where the little button hit. The, hit. Hey, oh yeah, there yeah. it is. There Look it is. Um, and and go, going through that process of learning how to help people. Um, and being able to relate to people in all different kinds of frames and, and worldviews and things like that, it's really brought me out of my own bubble. And so I have a lot of questions um, just because I see the world differently now through other people's eyes. And so that's brought on a lot of questions for me as, as well as the, um, the kind of high-charged political pandemic atmosphere that kind of happened recently and just <laughs> seeing how people reacted and it just made me ask a lot of questions about that as well. But um, I appreciate all of the nice compliments that you gave me. <laughs> That's not how I see myself, but thanks. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you this, honestly, um, Amy actually is a big, um, a big reason why I thought about ever doing something like this because I was kind of a, I was kind of a stay quiet person. Like, Hey man, I, I'll, I'll talk to you in, in private relationships and we'll, we'll, I'll talk about anything in the world you want to talk about. And one day I said something on Facebook and, and she said, Hey, you should do that more. And I said, man, I'm not, I'm not going to do that because if I, if I start staying that stuff out there, it just alienates people. And half the people that I'm trying to reach are going to stop listening to, to what I have to say based on my opinion on this issue or that issue. And she just said, she said, Ed, if you and people like you stay quiet, then people only hear these extremist versions of truth and they don't ever hear that balance. And, and so she challenged me to find a way to find my voice a little more publicly. And that's something that didn't leave me, which kind of pushed um, me to, to step outside of my comfort zone into something like this, man, where it's a podcast where people get just get to ask crazy questions and we're, we're going to try to do the best we can to answer them in a way that makes sense and, and, and honors God. Sweet. That's outstanding. So are you guys ready to answer some questions? Are you ready to do this? Are you ready to dive in? I'm getting the look. It's, like, it's all about answering questions. <laughs> look, or, I mean. Or, or asking a few of Eddie since he seems to have all the answers. <laughs> no, I definitely I've don't been, have the answers. I've been in journalism all the answers. For some, in, in some capacity for 17 years. So my entire life has been nothing but questions. 
That's all I do. So I'm ready for questions. So let's let's dive head first into our first one. Um, by the way, these are questions that are asked of people. These are real people that came from either um, the church or they came from social media. And if you have a question, you can text uh, that question into 501-438-9634. Again, that number, 501-438-9634. And when we get that question, we will work it into an episode. We will probably private message you if we need to so that we can make sure to have that, some, have that conversation. But we want to make sure that your question gets answered. By the way... Sometimes the answer to your question at first is, uh, <laughs> and that's okay. We will, we will try to find the answer, but it's, but you know, you don't, don't always expect that there's going to be a whole lot of profundity. Hopefully we will always have that, but sometimes there's going to be just those questions like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but we're going to try to find that answer for you. So question one. Um, and this came in to us from social media, so uh, here we go. One that I think about often, why create beings that are, dis- uh, that are, let's try that again. Why create beings that are destined for misery? If he knew that they would be created just to be and end horrifically, why? He's all-knowing, and he did that anyway. And um, that's, a, that's a pretty common question. That's a... It's a pretty basic question, and I think it's one that everyone has had at least one point or another, believe her or not. Like, yeah, hey, here we are. So, Eddie, I'll start with you. Why create us if this is just going to be crap? Well, I think I think before we before we get into the answer, I mean, I think there's a lot of people, and and I understand the question really well because because it's sometimes hard to understand you know, as you're walking through life and, and, and you think you're doing the right things, you know, and, and for a lot of us, we're taught, man, if you do the right things, the right things happen to you, right? Like, like if you do good to people, then good's going to happen to you. Well, what happens when I did good and all of a sudden I find myself in this terrible place and then that terrible place leads to a terrible place. And now I'm three years in a terrible place and it's not getting better, man. And so, so I definitely, you know, have, have connected or, or talked with lots of people that have walked through a lot of misery. And so I, I definitely understand the heartbeat behind the question. And I understand why sometimes it, it can absolutely be confusing. And, and we need to be clear in, in here that misery, as, we've, as we're defining in this question, is misery here. So God didn't create us for misery forever. So we're not talking about eternity here. So did God create us knowing we wouldn't make it to heaven. And so we're destined for eternal misery. But what we're going to talk about tonight is, am I correct? Why did God create us knowing that there would be misery on earth, pain on earth? Yeah, I, let's, let's, let's do the journalism thing here, all right? Let's break the question down because there's a series of different questions that are in this one question, all right? The first, the first question in this is why, all right? Just the basic why are we here existence kind of existential crisis question that we all sort of go through. And then the second part of that is, is that if you can answer the question why, then why is the second part of it, all right, we now know that there was a purpose. Is that purpose actually for us to suffer or to have some kind of test or to walk through some crap so that we can walk, so that we can get to the good stuff? There's a whole lot that's kind of packed into this question that goes beyond the word misery here. So first question is let's just break it down. Why create beings in the first place if you are an all-knowing God and you know 
it's going to go badly. I think uh, I think one word um, that they said in their question that I thought was pretty important is the word destined. You know, that, that word destined, why create beings that are destined for? And, and destined literally is this idea that's, that it was planned that it was prepared for, that that was, that was the way I wanted it to be. Why, why create beings that I wanted to suffer? Why create beings that I planned to suffer? And, and I, think, I think the hard thing about that question is it, 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 it reveals kind of this question about who God is and, and what kind of God he is. Is he a good God? Is he a mean God? Is he, you know, because it, 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 it leads people, I think, to, to, to this place where it's like, man, if God would create something that he planned for, for misery, what kind of, what kind of jag is that? You know, like what, how could he be so cruel? How could he be so mean? How could someone tell me he's a good God? And I, and I think, um, but before we go into, you know, I think you just kind of got to go back to the very beginning of how God created man. See, I don't, I don't think his plan was that he created us for destiny. He didn't, that wasn't his hope. That wasn't his plan. That wasn't his dream. And, and so I'll tell you what, what, you know, if you go back into the very beginning of where, where, you know, the biblical history comes from in Genesis, it said that he, he created man in his image. And then it says to be like him. So we weren't created for misery. We were actually created to be like God. Well, I make plans all the time. I've got a great plan, and they get totally messed up by other people. So I'll say again, if I know that this is going to happen, why am I doing it in the first place? Aaron, I'll divert to you. Why? I think the important thing to realize is that we have to define misery and what misery is. Um, Pain is necessary misery is necessary it's all part of the experience Uh, you can't have an incredible life experience unless you experience some valleys you when you get to the top when you get to the hill when you get to the mountain and you look down and you say to yourself this is so much but you can't feel warmth unless you felt cold God put us here for companionship, and he spent time with us. And and I don't know if he necessarily enjoys watching us when we're walking through tough times, but I know he loves watching us when we're walking out of it. And the experience of being in the valley is worth having. He goes back to the old saying, would you you rather have, what, um, not loved it, what, loved and lost. Loved and lost than have never loved at all. never loved at all, right? And we all will say the exact same thing, which would be? To love and lost. I would yeah. rather have loved and lost because the experience was worth it. Okay. I will I will counter that as I normally will on this show with this question. If you could ensure that your children would have a wonderful life without having had to experience those things, but still could have an experience that was pain-free but would still create love, if it was all possible, and I would assume that God could do that, then wouldn't you? Perfect. So would I be a puppeteer over my children and lead them through a life of perfection and never have them experience the free will of having made that mistake and being able to rebound from it? Um, absolutely not. Um, all of those experiences I've had, uh, I, I asked the question, 30-some years of atheism, like, why did I get skipped? Why didn't I get the love of Christ right out of the gate, like the pixie dust that you guys all got? And uh, you got to enjoy not making those huge mistakes that I made. Uh, At the same time, I look back and I say, if I could do it all again, would I do it all again? And the answer is absolutely. 
Oh, yeah. This question very much lends itself to being semi-patriarchal by its very nature. So, Amy, I will divert now to you to ask this question. You know, we're still on the space question of why do we have to experience these things? And as a mother, I, I, can't, I mean, you know, I'm a parent. We're all parents here. I, I can't imagine intentionally sending my child in to, to a place knowing that there's going to be suffering. So from the, from the maternal standpoint. Yeah, um, it's funny that you guys went this direction because in my notes, I, I, my question was, um, okay, then why do we as parents bring kids into a world that we know they're going to possibly experience a lot of pain and suffering? Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought about actually have an example. Um, my son is like breathes sports. Like he's just, since he was two, he's been watching ESPN. And um, he plays basketball and starts for uh, the junior high here in Russellville. And they had a really big game, like conference semifinals um, last night. And um, he had just been really focused all week. And mom, don't talk to me about anything, you know, just like zoned in, right? And um, and practicing hard and just so prepared and emotionally prepared. And um, they, like, did so well. He, he played one of the best games he's ever played in. They ended up losing by one point, and um, he's 15, and he's always just not shown any emotion. Mom, don't hug me. You know, one of those kids, and he walked out of that locker room with his hood on and just tears streaming down his face, and um, as a parent, you know, oh, it's such a kick in the gut. Like, you don't want them to feel that kind of hurt, and it was a long ride home, and um, at this, and I was trying to think, you know, I can't take that away. It's not like a scrape on the knee where it just lasts a minute. You know, he's going to have to go through this. And, uh, but at the same time I was thinking, you know, I'm, I'm so proud that he, he loved the game enough to be this hurt about it, that he had that experience and vulnerability to pour himself into something. And, um, and yeah, because, um, he loved something, he had to experience a loss, but, um, I feel like the most important part is the relationship that he's created with the game, and I think that goes right back to why God created us. Um, it's about that relationship and about being able to experience the peaks, like Aaron was talking about. And you can't have, you can't know what joy is without pain. Um, I mean, we have to have that dichotomy um, here at least to be able to experience that. So, and and I know. I know for some people it'd be like, well, man, you don't understand. Like my 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 joy to pain quotient is really lopsided into the pain <laughs> section. You know, my my joy to misery, dude, it, it it doesn't add up. And and why would God do that? And and I think I think that's important to remember is is number one, it wasn't his plan. His plan wasn't for us to suffer. His plan was for us to become like him. And in the middle of that, there are some things that in order for us to become something different than what we were, in order for us to grow, and you have to face challenge. You have to face opportunity for failure. You have to face these different things. It's like I heard of a study one time they did um, on, on a tree. They wanted to see how big the tree could grow if it didn't have any outside um, negative influences. Yeah, so yeah. they put it inside yeah. of a dome. And they took away all of the storm, and they took away all of the wind, and they took away all of the things that could hurt the tree. But the tree didn't grow very big at all. 
And what they found it was it was actually the storm that caused the tree to push its roots deep, which is what it gra- allowed yeah. it to grab more nutrients, more water, which is what cra- caused it to grow bigger. The thing that actually causes us to grow stronger or gives us the ability to grow stronger, right? It doesn't necessarily force us to grow stronger, but it gives us the opportunity to grow stronger are the, some of the storms, some of the things that actually brought misery. I heard the same thing about corn. Is that true that corn <laughs> on the edge of the cornfield grows shorter, but it's thicker? Like I heard that. Is that true? I'm not. I'm I don't not, know. Here's I'm what I've learned farmer. about corn: um, knee high by the Fourth of July. That's what okay. I learned while I was okay. in Chicago. If you're not there, you're in trouble. Well, I always heard it grew shorter, but it was thicker, and it protected the inside of the cornfield, and that's why the inside cornfield's a lot bigger. I don't know. Um, I like corn. I can, I can comment in in that capacity. Let's let's let, let's expound on a couple of things that all three of you have said. Hey, pain can be a positive thing for spiritual growth, for emotional growth. But then we have also said well, this wasn't this wasn't part of God's original plan. So one of the most frustrating phrases in the Christian vernacular to me, post any tragedy, is. Well, it was part of God's plan. So, as we walk into the, the, the grander scope of this conversation, we should probably address that. Was this part of God's plan? I, I think it's a great question because I don't, I don't believe whoever asked that question initially meant someone lost a basketball game. I don't think they meant someone sprained their ankle. I don't think they meant that someone lost their job. I think they were asking about human misery on grand scales, like why do we have famines and what happened with the Holocaust? I mean, these are catastrophic events of misery. And why did God allow it to happen? And why did he create the people, which is the the question, why did he create the people knowing that they would go through it? And I think that's what you're asking right now is, is did he know when he created those people that they were going to go through that misery to begin with? Was it part of his plan? The that I'll I'll be even more specific. All right, um, in a funeral after a at, at a funeral that's unexpected tragedy, well, you know, it's I guess it's just part of God's plan. So you're telling me that it was part of God's plan for my friend to die in a horrific, fiery car accident. That's what you're telling me. God sucks. Do we have a response? Yeah, I mean, the. by the way, the response in that moment isn't this response because no one actually wants to hear this response in that moment. And, right. and the, problem, the problem with answering this question is it doesn't make it feel better. And, and so it, it, it's, there actually is a really clear answer if you kind of understand what God was doing. And so in the beginning when he created humanity, he created us, right? He created us in his image to be like him. And then he had to give us the ability to make some decisions and choices. He had to give us free will. And the reason he had to give us free will is because God is good. And some people would say, well, if God is good, why does he allow people to make bad decisions? Why does he allow hurt to happen? Well, the opposite would be that God controlled everyone completely and no one got to do anything they wanted to do unless God literally forced them. So I couldn't eat what I want and I couldn't go where I want and I couldn't say what I want because God would have to control me. No one would think that God was good. So what he did is he said, listen, I'm going to give you free will. 
and I'm going to give you this entire place that you can enjoy and one piece of it that I want you to stay away from. And if you don't, death is going to happen. And they didn't. They chose. They made this decision, hey, I'm going to do this. And literally when they did, death entered the world and it set something in motion. And the problem with setting something like death in motion is you don't control where it goes. It's like a flood. It creates its own banks and it goes its own direction. And so there's a lot of destruction in the world. And there's a lot of people making really bad choices. And those choices impact other people and they hurt people around them. So the person who gets in a wreck from a drunk driver, was that God's plan? No, but God literally at some point would have had to take control of the person's arms and force them to stop drinking. He literally would have had to sabotage them. And and it could have been part of God's plan. I think sometimes we're short-sighted and we assume after we read the first page of the story that we know the whole story. Uh, we don't know if the country, the nation of Israel would have been formed if it hadn't been for the Holocaust. Okay, We don't know when we see an amputee who later in life becomes an incredible motivational speaker later in life. We don't know if that would have ever happened. We see it, we see the amputee, and we immediately say, what happened there and why did God do that? We make a judgment call in the moment because we think we know the entire picture based on this small, infinite amount of knowledge that we have, not knowing what God's next move is. He might be doing something really big down the road, but we limit it by our, our current experience. Amy, what's your response to that? Because, I mean, you know, as, as somebody who is, is going to be and has dealt with people in grief, clearly that's not the response that they can really ingest in that moment, I would assume. Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, um, when you encounter someone like that, they just want um, nurturing. They want to be held or hugged or, you know, just have know that they have support. Um, there's not really anything you can say. And, and one thing I think it's important with grief is that um, I think we have this anxiety when we're around someone that's experienced a loss that we have to, like, do something to make them feel better when it's like it's okay to let them just feel that and be there and be in that space and so you know not carry that sense of I have to make make it better you know just be with them be in it give them permission to be there we broke this question down and so I want to get to the next part of it um the, the 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 part that we were answering was why create beings that are destined for misery the next part of that was if he knew that they would create it just to uh, be and end horrifically, why? He's all-knowing. So, Aaron said a few minutes ago, it could be part of God's grander plan. Yeah, but, but do uh, I, can I, can I honestly believe that this horrific, horrific tragedy was part of God's plan? Was September 11th part of God's plan? Was Pearl Harbor part of God's plan? Why? why? Yeah, let me let me say this. I, I would actually push back a little bit on, on what Aaron said, and, and here's one of the fun things that I'm going to like about this, dude, is we're not always going to completely agree on everything, and, and that's okay. And one of the things that's beautiful and one of the lies that, that I think people have been told is that you all have to stand in line, agree on everything, or there's something wrong with you. Um, we're all working out faith and we're working out and trying to understand who God is. And this idea that we can 
completely have it perfect is 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 a huge 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 misnomer and so so Aaron said well maybe it is God's plan that this person gets amputated you know loses a leg or maybe it is God's plan that that the holocaust happens but but what I would say to that is that was never God's plan because his original intention was that we never chose to walk outside of perfectness his his plan was that death never entered the world and everything he's been doing since is making do it's 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 fixing what happens and so i don't believe god causes someone to lose an arm i believe god will absolutely do miraculous things with the person who loses an arm and then turns their life towards him i don't believe that god wanted the holocaust to happen or wanted 911 to happen but i believe that he can absolutely take it once it's happened and do some amazing things from it and so even when, when, you know, destined for misery, I've got one of my best friends in the world lost his son in a, in a drowning accident. And nothing in the world will convince me, nothing in the world will convince me God wanted that, God was okay with it, that, 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 it was a, that, that he was any part of it. And yet what God has brought from that and some things he's been able to develop through that have been, have been amazing. And that's what I think is, is why did he destine us for misery? He didn't. He destined us for perfection. It says he literally destined us to be his children. He gave every one of us an opportunity to be a child of God, not, not destined for misery. But he also gave us this ability to choose. And sometimes our choices bring us to misery, and sometimes other people's choices bring us to misery, even when I'm doing everything the right way. And that's where God intervenes on my behalf and takes this miserable moment and causes my roots to grow deep, if I'll allow them, my tree to go strong, and me to become better than I ever could have been had I not faced the storm. Don't dismiss the fact that the catastrophic event for us is probably pretty small in the creator of the entire universe, the universe is really big. Yeah. Um, so these things, these selfish little things that we look at and we say, why did that tiny little thing happen? But for us, it's huge. And uh, I absolutely get that. The, in, the example that you gave, um, someone loses someone. Yeah. Why did that happen? Well, tell me about the 20 years that they lived before that. They had an incredible life and an incredible experience and experienced love and, and got to got to play ball and all these incredible things happen that they got to experience that they wouldn't give away for anything. And it doesn't matter when it ends or how it ends when it does, we say, I didn't want it to end. I want it to go on forever. And the reality is through Jesus, we have an opportunity to do that. Okay. But we just look at the picture that's painted in front of us and say, I wish the movie was four hours long instead of two and a half. Why did it have to end? Um, Because it does here. Yeah has to end somehow we all can't just pass away quietly in our sleep this is the question that is being screamed in a lot of cars that are being that are broadcasting this in their in their cars right now well it's god's plan or it's not god's plan was it god's plan that my friend died in that car accident did he send a drunk driver to kill my friend at that moment I mean, and I'm not talking about a specific incident that happened to me. I'm talking about the specific incidents that have happened in everyone's life. And the reason that I bring this up is because these are the questions that, 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 are, are that, that are being asked. Well, it's not God's plan because sin entered the world. Okay, that's reasonable enough. Well, what about the 20 years that we had before then? Again, wonderful. Did God send a drunk driver to hit my friend? Did he? I, I think 
maybe a more important question is why do you have that question? Where does that come from? Like what, why do you want to know if that was God's plan or not? Okay. I'll push back a little bit on that. I still think the question is pertinent for some of those folks who, who are in that moment and saying, Hey, I can't understand how, I mean, I think there's probably some complexities to that question. Obviously I, I would agree with that. But can we answer it? I mean, is yeah, there an answer yeah, to that question? Yeah, did no, I think there's did God answer. do that? Yeah, no, no. God did not. God did not send a drunk driver. God did not send a person to to murder someone. Um, God did not. You know, one of the things as a pastor, man, that I hear a lot is, man, God took my. You know, and and mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm just I'm going to frustrate some people right now. But like all the people that told you that God needed that person in heaven, so they took him from you. Hey, God didn't need that person in heaven, so He took them from you. It it is appointed unto us once to die. Like like that, we are eternal beings. We this is this time on earth is very short and it's very limited, and we don't know how much of it we have. And part of what defines how much of it we have are my decisions and the decisions of the people around me. Right? If I spend my whole life eating bad, which I probably have. And it's a good thing this is radio, right? Like, like if I spend my whole life not eating right, not doing some things I need to do, not doing some of those things, and then I get frustrated that my life isn't as long or as healthy as some other people, that's not on God. That's on some decisions I've made. If a drunk driver hits my, my wife or my kid, am I going to be frustrated? Am I going to be angry? Man, you better believe I will. But it's not God's fault that that person did what they did and that they ran where they ran and that their car happened to hit my family's car. If there's positive consequences, there's negative consequences. And that's what the wonderful part about free, free will and uh, God gave it to us. I mean, we have it. We made that choice. When I say he gave it to us, he gave us the choice, right? Um, we could have took the path and we didn't. And we, we took this path and uh, so now we have the ability to choose. I can't take away your, your ability to choose and then orchestrate Amy's entire life for her. Um, I have to give both of you the right to choose. And uh, sometimes, I, I've said it before, you can't make everybody happy at, at the exact same time. Um, we would love to. We expect that, that God would make everyone happy because that's our expectations. We have right. a limited world view, and, and we're trying to impose our limited world view on an unlimited God. Yeah, like, like Amy's talked about her son, right? Her son was so broken. But there was some son on the other team. On the other team? That went they home won. absolutely celebrating absolutely. and can't believe what he's experiencing. And so sometimes, you know, and, and this isn't in the point of, of, of a death, but it is the point of, you know, every promotion that you didn't get, that, that you you feel frustrated at God. Someone else got. Someone else, you know. So so it's like, why did God do that to me? I mean, I, I think we kind of misunderstand sometimes who God is and what he's trying to do. Hey man, he's not, he's this, this whole idea that God wants everybody just to be rich and nothing bad to happen in their life. And I, I don't know what Bible, like, I don't, I, I don't see that in Jesus. Like every one of his disciples literally got murdered. Like, I, I don't know, like, and, and yet none of them would take back the life they lived because the joy, the peace, the life that they experienced Jesus said, I came to give you life. And here's what's beautiful. He came to give you life knowing that you were in a world where people got to make decisions. 
knowing that you are in a world where you can't control anything other than the choices you make and the way you choose to respond. Like that's the only thing you can control in life. And yet he promised, man, I'll give you life if you'll trust me no matter what you walk through and you'll let me lead you through some things and lead you to some decisions. I, I think that was the heart of Amy's comment and question to Drew. That's exactly what exactly. I was going to say. And she said, what is making you ask that? Are you making the yeah. false assumption right out of the gate that God made a promise that everything would be perfect and then he reneged on it, which he did not. He didn't say, I promise you an abundant life and there will be no struggles for you. And then he, and then he pulled back the deal. He didn't do that. Right. Yeah. I mean, the reason why I said, you know, why ask that question? Why are you, where's that coming from inside you? And it's, are you safe? You know, we want to know that God is safe and that we can trust him Hmm. and we can answer that in a lot of other different places. Um, I, I'm, I'm supposed to be moderating, but I'm going to throw in one comment here. So just so I can frustrate everybody in the room (laughs) and everybody who's listening, God, it is not necessarily God's will that you be happy all the time. And I really can't stand some of the over-the-top, outrageous, semi-celebrity pastors who talk about that because that's just not accurate. It's not even biblical. It's, yes, I mean, would it make my heart happy to see Adora happy all the time and doing wonderful things all the time and having all of the joy in the world, perfect little life all the time. Yeah, but she had a stroke at birth. And so I already know that that's not going to happen. There's going to be some difficulties. But when you watch what she does through all of that, when you see the growth that she has gone through through all of that, it's really hard for me to say that I would trade that in for anything. We are, mo- we are moving on to question number two, <clears throat> but before we do that, I'll make sure that everybody has the number. Before I give out the number, I'm going to give you guys a few seconds to regroup, coalesce your thoughts. Here we go. Question number two, how can God... St- I mean, this pretty much goes exactly with what we've been talking about, so it's a nice little transition. How can God still be good and allow the atrocities and suffering in the world to persist? Palette Cleanser here. If you've got your own question, you can text the number 501-438-9634. You can also message us on the Home Church Facebook page. And um, you can also message us on the My Home Church TV Instagram page. And we will find your questions and hopefully get those answered to you promptly. So next question. Here we go. Aaron, by the way, we're going to start with you on this one. How can God still be good and allow the atrocities and suffering in the world to persist? Uh, the, the big question when I get asked this is, who, who set the standard for good here? So, and why are you being so selfish right out of the <laughs> gate? Um, we just make the automatic assumption that if something good doesn't happen to me, that it must be bad because it's not good for me. But it might have been great for Amy. Um, when Cade, so so Eddie's son, he hurt his ankle, and I said to Eddie, I guess the starter is out of the game. I guess the kid on the bench must have been praying. I'm just making that up. I don't think he was praying for Cade to get hurt, but he was happy. He may have been. He may so have been. He, yeah, he may have been, but automatically he, he was he was right in the game, and uh, and we see catastrophic events that happen that, that are terrible, and we say, did God plan to do that? Like, was that his plan? Did he do that? That was a terrible thing. But when we look at the bigger picture, we realize it wasn't a terrible thing. We see hurricanes all the time that happen, and they're not terrible things for our environment. 
they might be terrible thing for the guy on the boat that got caught up in it, but it doesn't mean it's a terrible thing. So we put our standard on on an eternal God, and and we only see a small picture of what he's really up to. So is it God's standard for the human rights violations that happen in China, the human rights violations that happen in some of these third world countries? When we start talking about, well, you know, what is the standard of good? Surely God is seeing that, right? Surely God sees that. So why is it still occurring? Yeah, I think, I think, I think what you're saying, no, God, God definitely doesn't want those things to happen. He doesn't want those things to take place. That's not, um, you know, it's not like, Hey man, these things are going to happen in China so that, so that people can buy really cheap shoes in America and, and they, they should be excited about that. Like, like that's not God's heart. The the problem is, and and it comes back to this thing. And I hate you know I don't I don't want to just keep harping on something, but but it really does come back to this this whole ability for people to choose. You know, someone decided that it was more important that they make money than that they take care of a person, and so they started putting themselves before that person, and that was their choice. Well, God should do something about that. Okay. Well, what should God do? Should, should God kill the person that's doing that? Okay, and how deep does that go? What about the person that cuts in front of the people in theme parks? Should God kill them too, or is that an okay version? Maybe of sometimes. Maybe sometimes, yeah. right? Like if you've been cut in front of <laughs> like Like literally at what point does God start controlling people? And, and then at what point do people say, man, he's not really good at all because if I don't do what he wants, he just takes over and takes control of me. And no one would consider that God good. We would absolutely recognize that that's that's a dictator. That's that's a tyrant. That's that's horrible. No one has ability to choose. And so, in His goodness, He gives us choices. But in our in our brokenness, sometimes we'd make really bad ones, which leads to human rights violation, leads to racism, leads to um, stupid activists that do crazy things that hurt people. Okay, I'm going to challenge every single one of you with this question, and it's a response to what Eddie said. Is free will not a cop-out? I mean, honestly, is is free will, the, the, the whole answer of, is God good or is God bad? And we respond to that question with, well, we all have free will. Is that not a cop-out answer? Free will is a wonderful thing, and I would prefer it to uh, being on the end of puppet strings. All day long. So I don't think it's a cop-out. Okay, let me ask you this question. I'm going to rebut that. Okay. Is that partially Americanized Christianity? Could be. Could be. And we apply we apply our belief system to so many other countries. Um, we look at another country and say, how can they live like that? Um, how can they have the caste system in India? And yet if you went to India and you asked them, they enjoy it. Um, if you're impoverished and you've lived your entire life in that neighborhood and no one ever flaunts a white picket fence and a big old house and a Cadillac that drives by every day in your face, you don't mind it. As a matter of fact, if you think about this injustice, let's just talk about economic injustice that we see in the world. The, re- the reality is we are causing a major problem in our country by flaunting wealth in people's faces under this, this falsehood of if you are good enough, if you work hard enough, if you were raised in this neighborhood, and it always makes us feel less than, less than, because when we don't get it, then we feel like it's our fault. Or in some cases, we say, 
can't be my fault because I'm not going to hold myself accountable. It must be God's fault. Amy, what's your response to that? Yeah, that's what mine is too. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a breath. Um, I want to go to the good bad thing for a second. Um, so my my supervisor taught me a, a brilliant way to look at that, and he says um, he uses the words useful and not useful instead of good and bad. Um, good and bad create a lot of feelings of shame in people, and it, it also um, it, it's just it. Kind of look back to what Aaron was saying. Um, a lot of what we view as good is constructed by um, our environment and our culture that we're in, and so we define things as good or bad based on what we've been taught and what we've learned. And in a whole other side of the world, that could be a completely different learning. And and so it's just it's all relative in a way. Um, so I think that that question can be a little loaded um, in a way. If that makes sense. I read a book recently, it was called The Eastern View of Western Christianity, <clears throat> and it was talking about this um, the, the professor at a university on the eastern side of the world, I don't remember where he was from, who came over to um, teach in South Carolina as part of a, um, almost like a, almost like a foreign exchange kind of a, kind of a program, and he did this adjunct professorship for about six months, and he stayed with one of his colleagues in his home, and the, uh, the, the South Carolinian who was already there allowed this gentleman to drive his car the entire time he was here. They were both believers. They were both devout Christians. And at the very end of uh, his term here, before he was going back, he handed him back the keys, blessed him, and he left. And his kid was standing there watching. He said, Dad, he didn't thank you at all for any of the things that you did. And in this tradition of at least this particular sect of Eastern Christianity, it's not tradition to thank you for giving what you have out of abundance. It's expected. It's 100% expected. If I have something that you need and I can give it, I give it to you, and you don't have to say thank you because that's just what you're supposed to do. I bring that up because... The view that we have in our own society may, in turn, um, alter our views of what a good God or a bad God is when in these third world countries or these impoverished countries or these countries who are suffering human rights violations, they may be looking at God as so much better than they are when they are suffering so much worse than we are. So could it be that we are looking at God through a societal lens. Well, and I, and I think this, I think we're looking at God through a short-sighted lens. So it's, it, we're looking at him through a societal lens, and we're looking at him through a short-sighted lens, because when, when we tend to think of life, we think of our life. And when we think of our life, we think of our time on this planet. But the reality is God thinks of things through an eternal lens. And so one of the things that I've done that's really been helpful for me is I took a, a, a long piece of rope and I put a little bitty piece of tape around it, around one part of it. And it reminds me that my life on this earth literally is this little piece of tape and there's all of eternity. And so when I'm thinking about what's good and what's bad and, and how my life is going, I need to think about it in terms of the rope, not in terms of the tape. 
And so what makes God good, even though there's injustice and there's a caste system in India and there's still slavery? By the way, there's more slaves today than ever before in history, yeah. and, and, and we don't realize that. And human trafficking and the things that are happening, how can we ever say God is good? Because the reality is what he's doing is he's working good. See, if God just put us here and let us go with our free will, then I would agree with you he's not very good. But that's not where his promises end. He also tells us something. He, he, he also says this, I will work all things for the good of those who love me and are called according to my purposes. If you'll come after me, I'll work every broken thing to make you better. I'll take every sorrowful, horrible, tragic moment and I will somehow, and you, you're not going to understand it, you're not going to see it in the moment, but when you look back, if you'll chase me, you'll recognize. And, that, and that's why a lot of times you got to be careful, man, grabbing onto other people's pain as evidence of your um, lack of faith in God. Because if you, if you talk to people who walked through, fame, through, through, through pain, tragedy, a lot of them will use that instance as their greatest evidence of the goodness of God. Why? Because he took that thing and he turned it. He took it and he made it something that it was impossible in human world to make. And then, and then there's eternity. Man, if your life is something here, God has all of eternity to make it right. He has all of eternity to make it up. How is he good? Because he will take whatever happens and he will turn it. He will turn it if you'll allow him in your life. Aaron, I know you've got something to add, so I want you to add it first, and then after that, Amy, I have a question for you. So, Aaron, go ahead. I, I'm, I, I wonder often who gave us this unreasonable expectation of reciprocation. You talked about the South Carolinian pastor. It's such a blessing. So we, we just expect reciprocation on the good things. I did something good. Now God owes me something good, right? Mm, um, I did something bad. Wait a minute. That doesn't work. Uh-oh. Karma. Uh-oh. That's, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. The, the, the Western Carolinian, the Western South Carolinian pastor, perhaps the the pastor from the East, if his son had been there, maybe he would have asked his dad, why didn't he thank us? Why didn't he thank us for allowing him to bless us yeah. through the gifts? So you know, it goes both ways. We just we, we mix it up. Let's talk a little bit about skepticism for just a moment. Amy, uh, Eddie said a few minutes ago, um, if you chase after God, um, you know, that's what, that's what Jesus said. If you chase after me, then I can make all things good in uh, post-trauma or, or post-event. You know, but, but within studies of mentality and studies of the brain, um, there is evidence, too, of placebo a little bit. So talk to me a little bit about how can I know if I'm chasing after God that this is that God's really going to make it make it better, and that my perspective isn't just changed, and I'm now having a, a placebo effect? What's the What's the difference here? Right. Um, I, I have a little bit of a, a pushback on that. Um, I think that we give we can give God a little too much credit for what happens in our lives, and so we're waiting for Him to orchestrate something or do something, and and I think that. Um, a lot of where peace and things come from is our own ability to accept things and, and to work ourselves into a place of peace um, instead of kind of getting that from some crazy place. You know, not that that doesn't happen as well, but um, I do feel like we have to take a lot of responsibility for 
um, the places that we're in and, and also look at it from that angle. It's really important. We, we've narrowed the gap in our society from I want to I get to a millisecond because the only thing that's between that gap is I push, right? I push the button and I get it. We used to think that we had to work really hard and, and we'd look through the Sears catalog. When I was a kid, you had like Sears catalog. You'd circle all the stuff in it that you wanted. That's a big book, folks. It's if, a you're, large if you remember, <laughs> you could order things from it. Yeah, you'd order things and then, you know, a few weeks later come in, you had to work hard and save money for cash. You'd get it. And, and we've applied that same principle to God. So um, I pray for something. I should get it immediately. Good things are going to happen to me if I chase Jesus, and it should happen immediately because that's what the world is teaching me. But he didn't say it would happen immediately, did he, Eddie? No, and, 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 and by the way, good, good things aren't what you often think of. So, for instance, some of the best things that have happened to me in my life weren't ever what I wanted to happen in my life, and yet they're what God brought about through things that have happened. And so, you know, where I'm at today isn't where I thought I would be. And yet I'm so grateful for where I'm at today because I recognize that that by me following God, by me chasing after him, that he's been able to do some things in and through my life. And and I agree with Amy. I agree with Amy that, you know, people that are say, man, I'm just waiting on God to give me peace. And it, it, it doesn't it doesn't just work like I'm going to wait on God to give me peace. Peace comes in knowing that he's with me no matter what I walk through and that he's going to lead me to a better place than where I am if I'll trust him. Peace is that at some point God is going to make it right. And and so so the thing that I would say, I, I agree with, hey, sometimes we put too much over here and we don't take any responsibility for ourselves. But at the same time, I, I, I disagree that in and of myself, and, and I don't know if this is even what you were saying, maybe it is, I don't know, but, but, but I disagree that in and of myself, I can figure it all out and I can make it all happen because the truth is I don't have an ability to restore something that's broken, but God does. I don't have the ability to, to bring something back to, to, to life that's completely gone. Um, you know, and, and ultimately, at the end of the day, there are so many things that I thought I needed that weren't what I needed, and God knew that, but I didn't. I agree. I think that's part of the process. I think being open to being able to listen and to be able to apply principles and things like that is definitely part of it. Yeah. Our our selfishness uh, shows through in impatience. I'm here today and I'm living the life of my dreams today, right? I feel like everything's great. But the reality is the only reason that I'm here in Russellville, Arkansas today is because nine years ago I went through six months of depression after losing a job when I thought I was doing everything right. So so you could you could say, did God cause you to lose your job? Uh, I, I probably had some play in that. Um, and Or maybe he did. I don't know. But I do know this, that something really good came of it. And the only way I got to this good was to walk through that bad. But if you had asked me in the moment, I was in a state of depression wondering, where is God? Because the reason... Without going deep, the reason I lo- I feel like I lost my job was because I decided one day that I would bring him to work. And in the corporate world, that doesn't work well. And so I made that decision, and I walked away thinking to myself, it was a really bad decision to bring God to work. I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> and then I ended up in a place where I can bring God to work. He was at work during that. I just couldn't see it when it was happening because I'm just a small little guy, and the it was so far down the road, I couldn't see it. Yeah, and and 
And in addition to that, so often we think we know what we need next. Like we think we know what will bring peace in our life. We think we know what will bring wholeness in our life. That's why that's why so many people ended up end up more broken. That's why people end up addicted. Like what are addictions, man? Addictions were were something that someone did to try to to try to give themselves peace or give themselves joy or give themselves hope or give themselves fun. And that thing grabbed a hold of them tighter than they ever wanted it to. Those people aren't bad. They 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 thought they knew what they needed in a moment. And when they grabbed onto it, it grabbed onto them. So a lot of times when, when we say God works good, it doesn't look anything like you think it will. And it's what you said, man. I never, you know, you're walking through depression. You're walking through trying to figure out how you're going to take care of your family. You had just bought a house, man. Like you you, you were in a pretty tough times. And, and, and what you thought you needed versus what God knew you needed. And God, because you did follow him in that moment, literally led you to the place that isn't where you thought you would go doing not what you where you thought you would be and yet today you're like wow man I wouldn't trade that I wouldn't trade that and I think that's why I can say God's good because I can honestly say looking back I wouldn't trade it now I wouldn't want to go through some of it again cuz some of it really really hurt but I wouldn't trade it because because the ones that have gone before me and I know where they're at and I know I'm going to get to spend the rope with them, so I don't mm-hmm. have to stress about the tape. What, what I like about what you said was that sometimes we don't know what's good for us, and he does. Uh, when I was a little kid, if you'd give me an option, I would have like, ate ice cream for every single meal. And, um, <laughs> not that I'm not trying to pull it off right now. I was going like, to say. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty much trying to pull it off right now. But when I was a child, I most certainly would have taken that option. And uh, when I think about would I take the option for the easy path every time right every now, time. I, I would. I would take the easy path. So that's why we got to thank him sometimes for a little bit of a rougher road that grows us a bit. And uh, it's, it's, your, it's your tree example. It's when you're putting down roots, you can't see the growth on the top, but you certainly see it on the bottom. I have a quick question. So I feel like if, if we're saying that God is doing some of these things, right, how does that keep him as not a puppeteer? I, I was also about to ask that, so thanks. Well, I think there's a difference between saying, hey, son, um, here's what a balanced diet is, and, and here's the place that you need to go, and if you go here, here are some things that are going to happen. But you can go any direction you want. And, and I heard sometime, <laughs> one time, uh, you know, you always hear, uh, once you hit the bottom, there's nowhere else to go. And then I had a buddy one time that, that, he, that I said that to him. I, I said, well, bro, now that you hit bottom, there's nowhere else to go. And he said, nah, brother, you can go left and right a long time. Right. <laughs> and I, 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 don't, I don't think that God had me on a map. Like, it wasn't, he didn't have a road. It wasn't railroad tracks, okay? Here's what God did for me. He gave me a compass. And, uh, and, with, and so directionally, I kept heading towards him. Now, I ran into some things along the way um, that I didn't like. But I kept my compass set on him, and I kept heading his direction and following what I thought was his plan for my life. But it didn't come without struggles, and it didn't manipulate me like I was a train on tracks. Yeah, He most certainly gave me a direction to head, which was towards him. And as long as I kept heading towards him in the end... Um, things have turned out pretty good. Yeah, and it's like it's like you know my last conversation with my doctor. Um, hey Ed, you should A B C D and E, but if you don't, you're just going to come see me sooner, 
right? And and I think sometimes that's God. It's it's hey baby, would you please a b c and d mm. because I really want you to find life. But if you don't, hey, I'm still going to be with you. I'm still going to I'm still you know, we may have to start at the back of the alphabet and work our way back to the front. But but ultimately, as long as you'll let me, I'll lead you towards. And that's part of people's problem is, is, is God, I'm in misery now. I want out now. I want good now. And God says, hey, man, you're 10 steps from good. So there's this, there's this, pot, there's, there's this pond that's full of crap, and I need you to walk through crap pond. And we're like, well, I don't want to walk through crap pond. Right, I know. But the longer you wait to walk through it, the bigger it's going to get and the longer it's going to take you. But if you'll let me lead you through crap pond, there's something beautiful on the other side. Baby, would you trust me? And, and, and for so many of us, it's like, I just, I don't know that I want to go there. But, but the truth is, through there is where healing is. Through there is where, is where the life that, that God wants us to begin to experience is. But it's 10 steps from where we are. And, and it's hard to understand that. So I don't think he's a puppeteer in the sense that he's never going to force us. But he's always going to recommend Right. That's where um, I just, the responsibility comment that I made, I think that just connects yeah. really beautifully with what you just said. So, yeah, I love yeah. that. I love that because we're responsible to, to take the steps. Exactly. He's not going to yeah. make us, man. We got to do, we got to take the steps. So I'm going to lead in with a new question that we will, that we will need to lead off with next week because we are already at an hour and we tried to, we're going to try to keep this under an hour each time. So ponder this one for next week because I'm adding it to our list already. <laughs> Does God know what decisions you are going to make before you make them? Or does he not know? And if he doesn't, is he really omnipotent? Though That's what we'll lead off with next week. If you've got a question, 501-438-9634. You can message the Home Church Facebook page. You can also message us on Instagram at My Home Church TV. Wrapping this up, Eddie, really, really quickly, I know we did some intros at the top. Tell everybody why each person is here, what their qualifications are to be here. Well, I think, I think the biggest thing that qualifies us to be here is we're people that have questions and we're people that genuinely are searching for God um, you know, for, for Amy, she's somebody who literally has gotten her master's degree in, in trying to help people, um, learn to walk through for, for Aaron, I know his life and, and he's someone who, who I go to, who I look to. And so when, when you guys are, are struggling with questions, which, which you will, you will don't, don't let anybody tell you, you can't ask, man, what's the point of this thing? Hey, you can ask that. God is not intimidated by your questions. Listen, you know who's intimidated by questions? Insecure people, right? God is not insecure. Like, he's fully confident of who he is. It's okay to ask. And this is going to be a place where you can come. You can come and you can ask the questions. And you can hear the answers. And you need to know this. You need to know this if you're going to listen to this thing. We're not always going to be right. And we know, like, like the idea that we could 100% understand God is foolishness, which is why I was hesitant to do a podcast answering questions. So so if you're expecting perfection, hey, I tell people at our church, hey, if you're expecting perfection, there's other pastors that are better than me. Hey, if you're expecting perfection, there are podcasts that are going to be way better. But if you want honest and you want real and you want people that are going to ask some questions and, and, and walk through some things and maybe deal with some things that you've dealt with, um, hey, we're a great place. And by the way, if you need prayer, if you've got some of these questions that are real for you, because we're dealing in generals, right, Drew? Yeah. Like we're talking about general, but you're not. Like, you're asking the question because it's specific. 
Like you lost something specific. You face misery and your misery has a name. Hey, if you need prayer, you need someone to walk with you through that. Hey, if you reach out to us um, on Home Church Facebook page, you can message us privately, text that number. That's anonymous. Hey, we will follow up and uh, walk with you through whatever you're going through. Aaron and Amy, what'd you take away from today? Um, I just want to add, like, I mean, it's okay if we ask questions that are not uh, spiritually related, right? Absolutely. So I've, just to throw that in there, I think we welcome all kinds of fun questions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Life, faith. I love the fact that we're, we're taking on real questions. Um, so many times today we're concerned that, you know, we'll get either uh, canceled in a really big way or canceled in a small way because we, we say the wrong thing. <laughs> We've grown to a place where we can't even and ask the question. And then typically when we do, people tell us what they think we want to hear. And uh, that's not my intention. I didn't tell Eddie tonight things that I think he wants to hear. Um, But I know this. uh, I lived a pretty long life as an atheist, moved through being agnostic. And I had a lot more questions after I came to know Jesus than I did before because they got really serious. That's good. And I think that's a really good note to end on. Amy Smith, Aaron Carlisle, Pastor Eddie Schaefer, thank you so much. I'm Drew Brent. Next week, it's going to drop this. It's going to drop every Tuesday. You can check it out on Spotify, Google Play, and iTunes. Uh, We will expand those platforms. If you've got a question, 501-438-9634. We'll see you next time on You Can Ask That.